Folks, it's that time of year once again. The USA Today Coaches Poll has officially dropped. Six separate ACC teams are in there, and FSU has one solo vote. All that and more on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today I got with myself in the Zoom room, Mr. Max Moody. Max, what's up, my guy? What's going on today? Man, what a day. I lost my wallet this weekend, and then the Uber driver found it, brought it back to me today, which is super really? exciting. Yeah, except I'd already canceled all the cards, and then the guy like was like, yeah, so, you know, anything you can do to help me out? And I was like, yeah, um, I mean, I submitted this request on Saturday. You're just now telling me, you know, and I've canceled everything, so his wallet is effectively useless, but of course – being me, I don't have the heart to say that. So I'm like, okay, here's 40 bucks. You know, and it's like, just paid 40 bucks to essentially get a $20 Amazon wallet back with $60 in it. Oh, except he now has 40 of those $60. So um, pretty uh, shit exchange rate there. If you look at it, right? It's 40, yeah, 40 ROI, bucks to get 42 back. The ROI back. isn't good at that at all, period. Well, at least you got your personal belongings back. The last time I lost something in Uber, um, I had to wait, I think, a few weeks for a phone. I think you were, you were there for that entire um, excursion up at Clemson. But, folks, thank you guys so much for making Lockdown Samuels versus each and every single day. And also for all love and support your show each and every day. As always, we are now on YouTube. Please don't forget, like this video below. Hit the subscribe button at the tippy top and ding the little bell so you know when new content officially drops. And just like the content's dropping, the USA Today Coaches Poll just dropped today. The ACC has six separate separate you know teams on there with Clemson at four, Notre Dame, which they're not an ACC team, but for for certain. Darwin purposes, is convenient when exactly. they don't like how many basketball fouls got called, then they're part of the conference. Yeah, they're the uh, two AM you up text person, and then you got Notre Dame at five. Then you go down, you see NC State at thirteen, Pittsburgh at sixteen. Miami, that's 17, and then Wake Forest rounds them out at 17. Sorry, Wake Forest rounds them out at 19. Max, what do you make of the ACC's presence on this list, and how would F is FSU not affected by it, but kind of – we were discussing it before the, before the show started. How does it kind of showcase basically the schedule that FSU has in front of them heading into 2022? So the coaches' poll is very, very interesting because I think the coaches' poll is a constant reminder of how little most coaches pay attention to college football. Um, they're usually paying attention to themselves. I think most of them usually have like some fringe teams that they think are really good that aren't actually any good because I don't know, maybe it's a team they coached with the coach. Maybe they come from like the, you know, the tree or whatever, or maybe that's just a team they've been scouting a lot, but it's always a little bizarre because it'll like mirror the AP poll and then you have these random jumps and it's like, where the, where the heck did that, you know, how did that person get so high? Um, I also think coaches get really caught up in recruiting momentum, like more so than we do. I mean, think about it. Y'all think you get like, oh, this person's killing us on the trail. What do you think the guy making like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year whose livelihood is predicated on the recruiting is thinking when a school is like crushing it and recruiting? So I, I, I say that to say this. Miami at 17, I don't know if that's going to end up being a bad selection at the end of the year, but at the beginning of the year, to me, that makes no sense. 
I don't think they've earned a 17th spot. I mean, they were, what, 7-5 and five last year after their bowl game? I believe so. Um, right below them is a team that's even less deserving, Texas. They're awful. I mean, until they proved to me they're not awful, they're awful. They're in a box of awful awfulness. They're, they're horrible. They, they were disgustingly bad last year. Um, Steve Sarkeesian can call who voted, plays. Who voted for himself actually as the number one coach in the country. Do you see that too? Yeah. They, oh, is that who gave him their one number one vote? I'm just going to say it's him. I really don't know if it's him or not. It had to be. <laughs> had to be. Um, no sane person would do that. Right. And then I think you have Wake Forest at number 19. So that is like, I, I'm, I'm doing actually, let's, let's go up one. Let's go Pitt at 16, Miami's at 17, Texas at 18, Wake Forest at 19. I don't understand that cluster of four. That, not even being an ACC fan, that is a super bizarre clustering of four to me. And I kind of want to hear your opinion if, if you agree with any of this. Because to me, Pitt, well, they lost the only two weapons they had on offense last year. Their coach, and I know most of our fans probably don't watch ACC media days, because why the hell would you? I mean, as long as there's anything that has a pulse on television, you shouldn't watch ACC media days. That's why you have people like us, Drake, myself, Dave, Stacy, Holly, you know, to, to synthesize this stuff for you. Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of the Pitt Panthers, literally said he was frustrated by how much they passed the ball last year, and they should run the ball more. Folks, if you think smart people or people who are good in their jobs don't make really stupid decisions, that is proof that it happens. He watched that offense last year. The most prolific passing offense he's ever had in one of the top five passing offenses in the country. And he said, Drizzy, we should run the ball more. Okay, sure, man. Yeah, to coming out of rehab and asking for another hit. I, I Okay, don't know what. So he's not going to finish the season at 16. Like that team's done. Then you got Miami at 17. Pure speculation. I mean, that's the freaking tulip market in the 1600s up in the Netherlands. Like, we'll see. I don't know. Is Mario Cristobal going to be big and great? Or is he going to be short, stocky, and ugly as shit like his offensive line coach? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to see. And Texas at 18. I mean, I guess besides literally quitting every football team he's been on, Quinn Ewers is good at quarterback. I mean... I, you know, I don't know. He, he he cuts bait with football teams more often than he cuts the stupid sides of his hair to give himself that dumb mullet. And finally, Wake Forest at 19, I feel like I feel like that's a lot of disrespect for a Wake Forest team that brings back a lot of their talent and has had not just one, not just two, but three pretty consistently good seasons. I I don't know. I mean, I, it's almost like, why the hell are these three in here? And then why is the only team, in my opinion, of them that's proven themselves to be able to be good and is returning the weapons that are that made them good, why are they at 19? And I'm not even going to touch USC at 15 because, like he says in the end of waiting when he's doing his rant, you know, he looks at Dane Cook and he's like, and you, you're too easy. It's like, just, we all know that that's a joke, right? Them at 15? Come on. Yeah, I wouldn't have USC. I probably would have USC at 20. Me personally, I probably would have not had Texas ranked primarily because, like you said, I'm not going to rank a team that lost to Texas the year before, not, lost to Kansas the year before in my top 25 the following year. I know you got Quinn Ewers, Ewers, really, really damn good QB, but I need to see him actually perform on the field. Miami, I probably would have had maybe at 24, 25 towards the back end because of Tyler Vendak solely, but we'll see actually how they are turning out with Wake Forest. I honestly probably would flip them with the Michigan State spot. Michigan State did lose did lose Kenneth Walker the third. I think Wake Forest did keep Sam Harmon, like you were saying. 
They lost to Cora Roberson and Christian Bill Smith. But to me, that Sam Hartman offense is still going to be running with A.T. Perry coming up with that. And then Pittsburgh actually would rank a little bit lower, too, as well, because, like you said, they lost Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. I mean, Keen Slovis is a really damn good kid, but the same criticism I have for Jordan Travis is same with Keen Slovis. They can't stay healthy. Keen Slovis has, I think, only completed one full season. I think majority of the years he always has like a nagging shoulder injury or a leg injury. So to me, probably Pitt's Pitt would still be ranked because they are the defending ACC champion, but I wouldn't have any of them past 20. Maybe Wake Forest, I think, is the only one that will probably be around 14 or 13. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, the reality is if you look at the end of last year, um, Texas had, let's see, they were – Painful. I mean, 48th in overall SP, 28th on offense, 32nd on defense. Um, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. 28th on offense, and I didn't even put their defense in. I was looking at their ELO ranking, but none nonetheless. Um, yeah, they were 85th on defense. So they, they're about as useful at stopping people as a I don't know, a foam LARPing sword. Uh 32nd in the ELO rankings, 54th in the SRS, which is basically a, a score projection. Um, I, I don't know how you make that team in the top 20 in the nation. I, I don't care that they got a good quarterback coming in or they got some transfers or Arch Manning, who has never played grown adults in tackle football, committed there. Like that. Sorry, I don't know. This is a Florida State show. I know I'm on my soapbox, but I just, I don't even hate Texas. That's the thing. I hate that, like, I hate how college football has just become so prisoner of the moment to the hype machine because it's just stupid, bro. We we see it every year. Like, USC is the prime example. What was that year they started number one, they end unranked? Like, how many times are we going to do this with these teams where it's like, what, what on earth are you basing this ranking? It's just dumb, especially from people that are supposed to know college football. Like, I, I, I don't get it. But anyway, um, other Florida State opponents on here – NC State at 13. I actually think that's a decent amount of respect for a uh, for a Wolfpack team that probably deserves it. Um, look, I, I'm just going to say it now. I think this is a great year for us to go up into Carter-Friendly Stadium, exact revenge on them, and ruin their special season. I would love it if they were up 16-0 at halftime and we came back and won 17-16. It would be incredible. Um, but I think knowing what we know right now with Tyler Van – or um, not Tyler Devin Van Dyke, Leary. sorry, Devin Leary – um, he, he calls Tyler Van Dyke daddy, but, um, Tyler Van Dyke calls him Devin and, uh, you know, cause he beat him last year. Oh, I got it. Okay. Uh, lost a lot of money in that game. <laughs> um, I, I think them at 13th is, is respectable. And then Clemson at four, dude, this is going to be a shocker, but like, I'm not bothered by that at all. I know everyone think everyone's going to say like, well, Clemson, this, that, or the other, um, you know, they they almost lost to us last year. And, it, folks, I hate to tell you this. I really do. It hurts me a little bit. But, like, Clemson didn't almost lose to us last year. Like, you just have to put your mind into it. They, We had not one, but two of the most statistically improbable plays you can have in a football game. Between Lawrence Toafili not being down, having, as we said on our Madden episode, which has hopefully been published at this point, my bad on that one, uh, the awareness to tiptoe the sidelines and walk into the end zone. And then Jermaine Johnson sacking the quarterback, stripping the ball, grabbing the ball and running into the end zone. That was nuts. And you still lost by 10 points. Like we didn't almost beat Clemson last year. In fact, Clemson last year um, would have beaten an average team on a neutral field by 11 points. 
So put them against any average team, they're an 11-point favorite. In fact, Vegas would have only, based on these numbers, put 17 teams as a favorite over Clemson. And I think that number's probably more like 13, 12 actually looking at it, because a few of those are statistics, like numerically dubious, where like they have really good ratings, but like, like let me just ask you point blank, Trez, are you going to make Boise State a favorite over, over Clemson? I mean, there's, there's no universe in which like Vegas would do that. It just doesn't 15, happen. Yeah, maybe 15 years ago, but uh, not yeah. right now. <laughs> not right yeah. now. But I think overall with the AP poll, with all the teams that we see from the ACC on there, is that actually while we're doing our kind of our schedule preview, whether we do once a month, we missed last month, but we're basically going to be doing it throughout the, actually the rest of the month looking forward because it shows that while we do believe seven wins is attainable, eight wins can definitely be there if you actually the team actually finally steals one. You're allowed to steal wins, folks, against the teams you're not supposed to beat. But we kind of want to be able to showcase to you each and every single one of you that the ACC sneakily in the middle of the pack are very, very damn talented good teams. When we play five of them, they're on this AP poll. But, Max, before we get into that, folks, let's talk about our friends over at LinkedIn.com. LinkedIn.com jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Max used it for his, you know, his job hunt not, not too recently. I used the transition from a bigger firm to a small firm. But, folks, did you know that every week, Nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free, for free, and for the free. Term because may apply. And folks, welcome back. We are rocking. We are rolling here on your favorite daily Florida State Seminole sports talk show or podcast, whatever you're listening to podcasts, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or we get your podcast from. Max. It's about the time of the month now. We got the schedule breakdown, the schedule preview. Don't get looking at me like that because we're starting off with basically we're going to bisect this. We're going to do, you know, the first six games and the next six games. Ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. All right. I'm let's ready. start off with the – how do you want to do Do you want to do this by win expectancy, like, you know, percentage of winning, or do you think do you want to do a clean, you know, yes or no? Well, it depends on what we're trying to accomplish because we talked before the the we recorded, and I think that – it, it was a useful conversation talking about this team. And, and I kind of want to lead with the point I made because I think that it's relevant to a schedule prediction. And what it's going to lead into is us saying, let's go through the schedule um, chronologically because I think that that's going to be a valuable exercise and um, help us visualize the team's improvement. But there's been a lot of chatter the past few days, especially because, I mean, dude, it was a scrimmage. It's elite lies season. I get it. I'm part of that. You can watch our scrimmage breakdown. But... I'm, I'm coming to you as a friend, as someone who cares about your well-being, as someone who cares about your cardiac health and any potential struggles you may have with alcohol on Saturdays based on how the Knolls perform. And we've all decided we're going to win eight games, or we need to win eight games. We need to win seven, eight games, lean towards eight. We have a really hard schedule this year. I mean, compared to where this team is, and who they have to face, it's an incredibly difficult schedule. I know these are not names that we're used to being good at football, but unfortunately, most of the teams we're playing are pretty good at football these days. So I think when we say eight wins, what we mean is this team should be three wins better than last year's team. And before we do this prediction and I dive into elite lies, Drake, I just want to tell the people it is going to be possible and I do say, unfortunately, not with a light heart. It's going to be possible this year to be a decent bit better than last year's team and only win six games. I don't want that to happen. But a six-win team this year could 
theoretically be a two touchdown favorite, let's say a nine point favorite against last year's five win team because it's just a tougher schedule and it's not laid out particularly poorly, but it's not laid out particularly well either. So, and that's why we look toward the ACC teams that were on the USA Today coaches poll and also why I've been saying that this team can win eight, should win seven, will win six because this schedule as a whole, it's tough. And also, we play in the conference of quarterbacks when it comes to the ACC. And we'll be looking actually at a non-conference quarterback right now because Duquesne, that's going to be a win. I'm not even going to that being a loss. I know we did it last year at Jacksonville State. If he loses to Duquesne, I'm going to probably stop being on the show. But we look to LSU first. LSU, we're going over to the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans. I will be there. Folks, you want to hang out, hit me up. But we'll be facing them with Coach Brian Kelly, his new accent, new quarterback in Jane Daniels. Max, how do you feel about this game? Uh, so LSU is an interesting one, and I think it comes down to what LSU are you going to get, right? Because this was a team last year that had 11 draft picks on their team. And you guys will hear me say this. Fred Petrie, if you're in the – that's how you pop into the comments. I know this hurts to hear, but it's true. 11 draft picks, six wins. That is mind-boggling when you think about it. And you can't just tell me it was on coaching because, like, that's also the players quitting. And are these players going to be that? No, you know what? Let me not ask that as a question, Drake, because we've seen this song and dance before. We saw a team not bought in for Willie Taggart. And what did we tell ourselves? Oh, they'll they'll buy in for, for Mike Norvell. Hell, we saw the team quit on Jimbo. And we said, ah, oh, they'll buy in for Willie. And in Willie's first year and his second and in Mike's first year especially, and a bit in his second, although I credit this team a lot with turning it around, there was never buy-in. Teams that quit on one coach don't just flip a switch and start playing hard for the next coach. That's not the way it works. You have to substantially turn the roster over. Now, you got a new quarterback coming in, two new quarterbacks coming in. Um, you got a, few, a lot of new faces thanks to those 11 draft picks. But I don't know, man. It's like, which which LSU do you get? I mean, I'm literally looking at my numbers right now, and it's like, we could be a three-and-a-half-point dog. Um, we could be a one-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on how you calculate it and depending on how you adjust for uh, loss production. But I just, I'm going to do everything I hate about sports and love and say that, like, it, this is a feel game. It just feels like a game you have a chance to steal. And I think what you're going to see is when Mike Norvell is against the ropes, proverbial ropes, and it's clearly a moment type situation of like, this will be a defining moment in Mike Norvell's career at Florida State. Is the team going to step up for him or is the team going to lay down? And I just call it optimism, but I feel like this team is going to stand up for him because last year, no matter how many times they got kicked in the teeth, no matter how badly shit was going, this team never quit. I say that thing about, hey, this could be a six-win six team. That's not saying they're not going to try because I don't see this team quitting in a single game. And eventually, if you just keep trying at stuff, like us with this ridiculous podcast, sometimes it works. And I think that eventually you got to catch one of these teams. And in the same way they caught North Carolina sleeping, because North Carolina just decided that Florida State had nothing in the tank in 2020, that can easily happen against this LSU team. Hell, Notre Dame got up by, what, 16, 18 points last year, and we were able to come back. So I think they're going to overestimate the Superdome. I think they're going to overestimate just the logo, right, that they wear on their chest. And I think it's going to be a dogfight, and I think that's a game we can win. 
Yeah, I hate to be the better bad news. We're going to get blown out uh, 25 to uh, 10. No, I'm joking, folks. I'm actually right there with Max on this. I do think that basically I have been saying that we are allowed to steal games since we started this podcast. We haven't done that once at all. UNC, I don't count because it's in Mac Brown's, I think, you know, soul, bylaws, wherever you, you know, whatever God he prays to, that he will never, ever beat the Garden and Gold because that's where he's an alumni. He was a student. He got his first coaching job there. So he's always, you know, he's, he's um, basically. He bleeds Garnet with a heart full of gold. So to me, LSU, like Max is saying, too many new faces, a lot of lost talent and production to the NFL. I think with Jordan Travis, you know, coming back in, and also the Duquesne tune-up game beforehand just to kind of basically give our offensive line a little bit more of extra rest to be prepared for that strong defensive front LSU has. I have FSU win this game most likely 27-28. A one-pointer. Yeah, I, think it's a... gonna be, I, think, I do think it's going to be a close game. I mean, I think it's gonna be close, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not great at predicting scores, but what I do know is last year it's it felt like if you could score more than 30, you won. So I think that same philosophy is gonna apply because I think this defense stays about the same across the uh, across the defense as a whole. Obviously, some places they get a little worse, some places they get a little better, but if you can get to 31, I think you win this football game. I don't see LSU dropping 35 or 42 on you. Um, yeah, this this just feels like a lot of our games last year. It's kind of just a race to 31. Like, can can you get to that magic number? We'll see. 13 going on 30. That's going to be Jordan Travis's new little NIL deal, basically. All right, Louisville, the next one coming up. What? I, how did how we get 13? You know what? Jordan Travis is 13. Going oh, 30 going to points. 30. I like that. Yeah, 13 that. going on 30. Yeah. Yeah, Copyright no, no. Copyright trademark. Jordan, you can use that. All right, Louisville is a Friday game after we have the much-needed buy, and Louisville also plays UCF the week before. Max, go a little quicker with this one. Louisville, how yeah, you feeling about this? What are your numbers are saying? I mean, look, I've I've got us in my ratings as a six and a half point dog to Louisville right now. If we were to play tomorrow um, at home on a Friday night, I think that's about right. Uh, I I look at this as a chunk, right? It's Duquesne, it's LSU, it's Louisville, and then it's Boston College. I think good coaches win games that maybe they're not supposed to on paper. If Mike Norvell can get through that stretch two and two, it could be a good season. If he can get through it three and one, it could be a really, really good, season. good season. And if he gets through that stretch four and oh, that's when you start to look around and go like, is this going to be a special year? Is this going to be like an Auburn in 2013 where it's like they had Nick Marshall as quarterback. Like no one, no one thought he was going to be any good. No one expected anything of that Auburn team. And next thing you know, they're in the BCS championship. Now we're not going to go to the national championship. But if he makes it through that stretch four, you start to look around and go, is a is a BCS bowl off the table as a you know, do you is runner up in the in the Atlantic and then you know Clemson goes to the, the playoff? Like, is that starting to be a possibility? Cause if you're four and oh in that stretch, there's four games on the schedule. I'll just kind of jump ahead. You know you're gonna win. You're gonna win Georgia Tech, you're gonna win Syracuse, and you're gonna win the Louisiana game. So like I'm penciling those three in as wins already, obviously including Duquesne, but you know, we're so if you get through 4-0, you're talking about a seven-win team almost by default. And you start to, again, you just I think your brain will start to think, like, what the hell is the ceiling for this team? Probably nine or ten wins. Not as likely. but I, I So I look at it in that chunk, Drake. I, I don't know. Is it going to be Louisville that you beat? I think, frankly, they're your most likely loss within those three because, or four. I, that's, where just, that's where I'm at, too, mainly because – you know how I feel about Scott Satterfield. I don't think Scott Satterfield's a very good coach. You're a reformed Scott Satterfield hater. You're basically now on our side, the right side of history when it comes to Scott Satterfield. But 
I do think Malik Cunningham is that damn good. And to me, he's the best quarterback in the entire conference. I think it goes him, but Brandon Armstrong, and then the homie down and basically Coral Gables, Ty Van Dyke. So to me, basically, I think Malik Cunningham is good enough to cover up Scott Southfield's faults. But I do see us ending up after this initial four-game stretch, three and one, because after giving it a lot of thought, and Max has been, you know, educating me on these analytics, these numbers, and basically Phil Dracovic is basically a very He's a very tantalizing, solid prospect when it comes to the pro level because of his size, because of his arm. But if you actually break down his numbers, he's a very decent QB, but he's nothing super duper special. Now the injury bug, the the injury the injury bug, he was injured mainly for one season. But you can't be saying that about him and then saying the same thing about Jordan Travis in the same vein. So to me, I think that FSU for this first four games here, heading into Wake Forest, goes three and one. Dude, look at you finally coming around, Jer- Jerkovich. Um, yeah, I mean, the reality is with, with Jerkovich, if you look at, like, most of his stats, even the year before when he wasn't hurt, like, he, they're just not that great. I mean, I agree with you. Like, he is a great pro prospect, but there's a reason I stop watching guys once they get to the NFL. It's not my sport. It's a different game. Like, there's guys who weren't all that great in high school or college. Like, Carson Wentz was out there beating up on, you know, FCS competition and look how he's turned out in the pros like what's his name in Buffalo Josh Allen didn't play anyone that mattered at all in college and if you look at stats in college um google them and check me but I don't remember them being that amazing given the competition like I'm just gonna look so I don't have to put my foot in my mouth if I'm wrong because this is gonna come as a shock but I wasn't really covering Josh Allen yeah you know what Josh Allen's completion percentage was in 2017 at Wyoming 56%. 56% 56%. 56% for 1,800 yards. Like, pretty average stats, but he was big. He was strong. I mean, everything you say about Djokovic. So, like, I don't think you're wrong about him being, like, a really good NFL prospect, but, like, I, I don't think he's going to elevate Boston College. And when I look at this, it's like, okay, across the three different services, accounting for return production, it's like I've got us at a three-and-a-half-point favor against Boston College, and I don't even know if that's right. Like, I almost want to lean to like a six and a half point favorite, which is the highest to have them across the three numbers, because I just think that's a team that you can beat. So yeah, Louisville's your most likely drop in those first four. Yeah. The only thing I would keep it three and a half mainly because we also have to be playing Boston college as well as the refereeing provided by the ACC. If you, you're Evans by last year's game. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a valid point. I can't refute that. And we are wrapping up today's show, looking at the rest of the schedule from Wake Forest on. Max already touched on Syracuse, Louisiana, Georgia Tech. Those games we really don't need to dig deeper on because, if we're being completely honest here, Louisiana lost a lot of players to Florida, lost their head coach. Syracuse, I'd be surprised if Dino Babers is still there, actually wouldn't play them. Same thing with Jeff Collins because Georgia Tech, as much as our schedule is very hard, take a look over Georgia Tech's schedule because it's nowhere near as fun, and they open up, I'm pretty sure, against Georgia. No, they open up against Clemson. That's even worse. So, Max... Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, this is a game that last year you thought and you felt was probably if we had to do it all over again last year with a healthy Jordan Travis, we could have beat them. Now, tables turned, or how the, how the turntables have turned. Wake Forest comes down to Tallahassee. How do you feel that Sam Hartman of QB1 fame handles his trip down to Tallahassee? Well, like I said, I mean, I think that they should be ranked better than 19th. I think that right now, if you play them, um, you know, you're going to be an underdog even at home, probably by a score or more, right? So you're not talking like a one or two points. It's probably a three and a half to a six-point underdog um, if you play them right now. Wake Forest 
brings back a lot of talent because of the six-year rule, they also lose their running game. Wake Forest also had the 10th best offense in the country last year, opponent adjusted pulling out garbage time. They had the 93rd best defense. And again, Driz, that's pulling out garbage time. Wake Forest very regularly took the game into garbage time because of their scoring. So like their defense, when they weren't, like when they were beating up on teams, taking it towards garbage time, still wasn't performing that well. You had a really unfortunate stretch against Wake. When you look, I think it was like fumble, four, three and out, fumble. You know, it just, it didn't go well. Put the ball in the dirt. It, it just, it was a weird day. Um, I think the team was still just reeling from the Jacksonville State loss. I mean, I, I just don't know if they were mentally there. I mean, they tried to bounce back against Louisville. It, it just, there was a lot going on. They got to come to Doe Campbell this year. And they have to come when you won't be 0-3. You'll have some momentum because you'll have at least won one game. I hope, if not, Mike Norvell's Christmas tree is probably on the curbside. Um, you'll, you'll probably, though, have won two to four games. And you're going to feel like you still have a puncher's chance at making a bowl and making this a good season or a season you can be proud of as a Florida State fan and as a Florida State player. I don't think they just let the Demon Deacons walk all over them at home this year. Um, I think that's a game you win. This is probably my hardest game to pick primarily because I know Wake Forest's defense. I know they were 50 shades of ass last year. Pretty much they were very extremely injured. And the one thing actually also were extremely young. So if you bring a fully healthy, you know, one more year of experience you know, <coughs> coming in here, that could be a little bit different. And I'm just a little more worried if, because we were not the best at running the amount of plays last year to basically keep up with opponents. And then Wake Forest, I think, was what top 10 in the country, I think, from the stats you were kind of giving me the other day. Yeah. And then also they were super efficient because Sam Hardman basically was a touchdown merchant last year when it came to, you know, airing the ball out and also was able to move the pocket with his legs. So to me, I'm going to say for right now for the show purposes because it is elite lie season, I do think we beat Wake by 10. But ask me again probably the week of the game, and I probably might have a very different answer for you. And let's go from one game, from one difficult opponent to another difficult opponent, NC State, who a lot of people have actually picked to win the Atlantic and also probably most likely win the conference. And Big Game Boomer, whose favorite podcast, as we can say, is us here at Knowles Anonymous. Is basically might going might be going to the CFP. Does Devin Leary actually have what it takes to basically have NC State to win ten games a year, or are we going to be playing spoiler up in Carter Finley? God, I want us to, man. I want us to so bad. I was there in 2012 when we thought it was our our return to greatness. We could go to a national championship, and we lost that team 17 to 16. And that super tall quarterback whose name I can't remember right now, Mike Glenn. Mike, yeah, Mike Glennon, the you know perennial Tampa Bay backup, and it was, oh, it was just awful. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just terrible. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, and God, it was horrible. I want to repay that favor, but I, I don't know. I mean, they're a good team. They're uh, they're really damn good. This might be the best NC State team since Philip Rivers back in the early two thousands. But I wonder, right, if it's the best NC State team since Phillip Rivers or Russell Wilson, are they going to do what those teams always did and drop a game to someone? Because NC State, Clemson's just about as well as Clemson. And, I mean, you look at – didn't Russell Wilson lose to ECU I don't when know. he was I, there? I thought he transferred out to Wisconsin. He was there happened. for two years, though. I'm pretty sure starting your sophomore year, he ended up losing to um, East Carolina. 
Like, they do that stuff. There's a reason. Look, some schools have it culturally. Some schools don't. I don't know if NC State does or not, but it's like you have a team that's only won 10 games once. Like, I'm going to be mean for a second here. That's kind of comical when you think about it. Like, it's not that hard to win 10 games in the ACC if you're talking about the last 40 years. They've only done it once. So that tells me logically to be illogical because there's no way in that 40 years they've only had one team good enough to do it, but they've just never managed to figure it out. Is this going to be the year where they finally do it? Even though they have the, do they have the talent to do it? Yes. Can this team ever do it when they have the talent? No. So yeah, I, I don't know if I see them winning 10 games. I don't think I see us beating them at Carter Friendly. Um, I think a team like this, they're going to drop two or three games. They're going to be road games. They're going to be against teams they have no business losing to. I think we will actually, I would bet, we'll be the sexy pick for a lot of like analysts and pundits to be like, oh, that Florida State game's a trap game. I'm not ready to make that call, Drake. I'm already giving us LSU. I don't know if I can give us this one. I'm not giving us this one either, and primarily because I personally think that actually they lose the, the game after that because of what you just said. Typically, programs have it into in their DNA until they actually able to beat it out. Do you know who they play after us? Oh, I was trying to look it up before you finish. No, I don't. They play the Fighting Orange Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, or now now the now known as the JMA Wireless Dome because it can be called the Carrier Dome and not have any AC at all. Period. Do you think but it doesn't me, have any cell service? That'd be hilarious if that's true. But to me, that's a game that. You, you lose a game to a team that you have no business losing to. And that's after playing Clemson, then us, Syracuse. And they also had to deal with the Texas Red Raiders a few weeks before. So to me, that's a very tough stretch where I personally, I would love to beat them. But I think that defense, like I said earlier in today's show, is going to be number one in the entire conference. But to me, I think that basically we're going to beat them up so bad that basically it's going to carry over to the Syracuse game. It's going to be a hangover. And that's when their dreams of winning the conference will perish into the dust. Now, Max, we have three games left. The three marquee games will go a little more rapid fire here. I'll ask you, you know, which game do you think is the most attainable for us to win and why, which one do you have penciled in as a surefire loser and why? And lastly, which one do you think is going to probably tell us the most about this team and why? So I don't think any of these are surefire losers of the games we have left, right? We've got Florida, we've got Miami, and then we've got uh, who's our – I forget which ones we've gone through. Okay, so one of these is a surefire loser. Um, what I said at the beginning still holds true. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. We didn't th – there's no good measure other than the eye test, which we've seen fail time and time again, you know, because they keep putting teams in the playoffs because of the eye test and they get blown out. I was watching the game. I wanted us to win. I think a win would have been phenomenal, and I'm never going to root against the Seminoles, but Clemson's a better team than we are by a lot. Um, they lose their coaches. I get that. Um, but I think that they're a team that has to lose a lot more than a defensive coordinator for you to beat. Case in point, Florida last year. They literally didn't have a coaching staff, and they were just a more talented team, and that's okay. Because sometimes you're going to play teams, they're just more talented, and they're going to beat you. Too, man. Come on, we could that, that, we could that, have that drop but, punt. That drop punt, man. Come on, that was just. Well, okay. What about being on the two yard line and then getting backed up because of penalties and not scoring? We had them on third and twenty seven in the fourth quarter. We let them convert it. Like that, you're right. But there was a lot of stuff that went into that game. We also had two really fluky interceptions that even kept us in the game. So, like, I'm not lobbying for us to be worse than Florida. That's not. 
don't take this that way. I'm just saying like, it's going to start zero zero this year. And last year was probably your best shot to beat Clemson that you'll have for a couple of years in either direction, because that's just what rebuilding is. Like Clemson had no shot to beat us in 2013. Look how that game went. I'm not saying you're going to get blown out, but that's, that's my surefire loser for all those reasons. Um, so the you, one I think you're Clemson, right? Yeah. Okay. The one I think you steal is the Miami game, because I think that on paper, um, you're going to be an underdog to Miami probably by, not a touchdown, but definitely at least a field goal. And you're going to have to go to Hard Rock. And they're, you know, assuming they've paid rent that month, uh, they're going to have the music playing and all that good stuff. And, you know, it's the one game that Miami fans show up for every year. Fans is a, is a loser. That the uh, your, your average uh, contrarian who just bought a Miami shirt when they were 12 to make everyone else mad shows up for every year. Um, and then they're going to look around and go, wait a minute. We're kind of a one-trick pony. We've got Knighton, who's a great running back. Our offensive line is questionable. Our defensive line is okay, but not great. We're returning the 51st best defense in the country from last year, and they're really not showing much signs of improvement. And who, as you said, Driz, does Tyler Van Dyke have to throw the ball to? I don't know. They, no one's heard of any of their receivers, least of all them. So I think you could steal that one out from under their noses. And I think the Florida game is one where, what was the third criteria? I feel like now I'm at the default criteria. But, um, And I think Florida is the biggest toss-up for me. I don't know. we got to see what Billy Napier looks like. Uh, I want to make fun of him, but you know what they say, be, be uh, you know, all the stuff about being careful, the quiet person in the corner and stuff. Like, I, you know, we haven't heard much about Billy. And sometimes those are the people that have the best first year. Didn't hear a ton about Mel Tucker either. And he's having a great run of it. And some other coaches with more hype. Not so much. So that one, I'm, I'm gonna keep my powder dry on. I'm gonna let that one be a coin flip and save that one for a bonus episode or something. Cause I don't know. So, I kind of agree with you with the game. Basically, that we can steal one. To me, that is easily the Miami game, primarily because for all the reasons you listed, I'm a little more down on their defense than most. I do think they have probably the, the second best safety duo in James Williams and Avante Williams in the backfield. Defensive line though, outside of Leonard Taylor and Chance Williams, I'm not 100 percent sure who basically is a dog for them. Linebacking core, I think we all saw the tackling and the Michigan State game and also blocking your own players. And then, I said before, with Tyler Van Dyke, Xavier Restrepo, really good wide receiver. I don't know if he's your number one option. Michael Redding, same thing. And then besides Jalen Knighton, is this the year Don Chaney or Thad Frank who will kind of show up and show out? They brought in Henry Parrish, but... And then the game that, to me, will tell the most about this team is the Clemson game, primarily because... If you watch the full game, I, I do get what you're saying. We're like we're lucky with that. There just is a time where, like, when these games happen, you should be able to cash in and be lucky at least once in a while. It just feels like this team never has been able to do that for the past what four years at this point. To me, the Clemson game that was the point there, and it was capped off by how unlucky we were by the damn fumble at the end of the game that cost thousands of thousands of fans out there and gamblers to lose thousands. the cover. Thousands. One in, one in particular we could think of right here. Yeah, me. I was devastated. I was pissed. <laughs> but to me, the Clemson game, that definitely will show where this team is at because while you're competing, or you, you want to say you're competing with Louisville and Boston College, you want to really say you're competing against Clemson because basically that's who runs the Atlanta, that's who runs that's who run the ACC. And if we ever want to get back to where we want to be, we need to see where we are basically as a program under Mike Novell when we play that game. And then Florida, we can talk about that later. I think it's dub. I personally don't have any faith in Billy Napier. But, folks, 
let us know in the comments below what you think the schedule, how it will turn out, your thoughts on the AP, the AP poll, Coach, the Coach's AP poll, basically where you see everybody else out there. Max, let the folks know where to follow us up in the podcast level and also what to do on YouTube. Well, there's a lot of things you could do, but there's two things you should do. One is to go in your podcast app, find Locked On Seminoles. Make sure that you are following our feed. Make sure that you are subscribed to us if you're on Spotify, and that will let our episodes pop into the top of your queue each and every day. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are over 1,400 strong. It's a fast race to 1,500. We'll be there before we know it. It's, it's a bit mind-blowing. And make sure you turn on notifications by clicking that bell up in the corner of your screen. That way, again, you get notified the minute we publish an episode, which is each and every single day. Finally, like the video, comment, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't, tell us what you think about the team this year. How many wins are they going to have this fall? And for Drake, that was Max. And we'll see you all next time on Lockdown Sentinels. Take care, everybody. Go Knowles.